0: Hi, and thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Jacqueline.
1: And I'm your host, Nicole. You're listening to the first season of Perfectionist.
0: (laughs) Welcome to our spooky Halloween edition. Today we will be discussing the very fitting and popular duology, The Cat and Mouse Duet, which consists of Haunting Adeline and Hunting Adeline, as well as the companion novella, Satan's Affair. Today though, we'll just be touching on Satan's Affair and Hunting Adeline. Before we begin, we would like to issue a trigger warning. These books include themes such as graphic violence and stalking between main characters, explicit sexual situations, reluctance, non-consensual sex, kinks such as degradation, gunplay, and somnophilia, and deals with subject matters such as child trafficking, child deaths, and human sacrifice.
1: This is our heavy spoilers episode. We will be discussing many of these themes, however we will be leaving out all of the graphic details. If any of these themes are not for you, we completely understand. If you would like to skip this episode, we hope you take care and we look forward to seeing you in our next non-spooky edition. We will also be discussing major events that happen in both the books that we're talking about, which include some cliffhanger endings and our theories on what we think is going to happen in the final book of this kind of collection, uh, Hunting Adeline.
0: Yes. Consider yourself warned. Major spoilers are ahead.
1: I just want to put out a disclaimer that this is for 18 plus. So if you're not 18 years old, this isn't really the content for you. And you should probably ask your parents for permission before you continue on with this video. As mentioned previously, in this episode, we will be discussing Haunting Adeline, as well as Satan's Affair. Both of these books are written by H.D. Carlton.
0: Yeah, they're super popular right now as of October 2023. So we just had to find out what all the hype was about. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way we're going to do this is we will talk about one book at a time, starting with Satan's Affair. And at the end of the episode, we will talk about our thoughts on the collection. Well, Satan's Affair and Haunting Adeline, and then kind of like, yeah, just the collection as we see it. I think we probably will end up reading Hunting Adeline, but we might discuss it in a different type of episode that we have coming your way at some point. So starting with Satan's Affair. <laughs> what a, uh, like, <laughs> but kind of, the name really grabs you. It sure does. <laughs> yes,
1: it's like, what do you uh, even say?
0: <laughs> yeah, I actually jumped into these without reading the synopsis at all. Um, well, the
1: synopsis. Oh, actually, I didn't read the synopsis for Satan's Affair either, but the synopsis yeah. for um, Haunting Adeline doesn't give you much.
0: Okay. <laughs> In my I didn't opinion, read it I'm either. What is this about? I just heard it was like a cat and mouse thing, and I was like, good enough for me. And then, I, you know. So Satan's Affair is about a girl who believes it's her life's purpose to rid the world of demons. She's part of a traveling haunted Halloween fair, which is called Satan's Affair. Mm -hmm. And it provides the perfect setting for the events that take place.
1: Although some sites do list this as a fantasy novel, I think it's important to note that it does take place in the real world. I think that helps to kind of ground the story, at least that. That's my understanding. Is this is fantasy? Again. Okay, I was like wondering what you because you were making a face for anyone just listening. I was like, oh, are you like, oh, how do you think it's real or, or how, yeah? Okay, so that's why your face was like,
0: that. no, I'm, I'm, I'm like oh, fantasy.
1: Yeah, I was equally confused. That's why I felt like it was important to mention that I'm not sure where the fantasy genre tag is coming from personally.
0: So just Unless this like book, not getting it. is Haunting Adeline also listed as a fantasy?
1: I can't remember if they're both listed mm. as fantasies or just this one. I'm assuming both of them are. I don't think it would ah. be. But on Goodreads, they, like, have so many tags. So it's, like, what the kind oh, of Oh, it was, genre it was just, like, a tag? Yeah, because oh, okay. on Goodreads, it will say genre, and then it has, like, a list of tags. So maybe it's, like, when people are rating it, they... Say what they think it is. I'm not sure how it works, but oh, that okay. tag is under genres on Goodreads, and I right. found that to be very interesting.
0: That's really strange. Yeah, no, it takes place in, it's not even low fantasy, it, it, which is like Harry Potter, for example, where it takes place in our world, but there's like magical things happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could see like Satan's Affair, I mean, um, Sibby, she thinks Mm -hmm. she's hunting demons. She's obviously got some serious mental health problems. Like she's delusional. I don't know. She's a bit schizophrenic, I think it's safe to say. Yeah, Um, well, they
1: give an actual diagnosis at the end. But I guess maybe when you're mm -hmm. reading the beginning of the story and you're wondering whether or not... At one point, I was like, are these actual demons? Like when I was reading the very beginning of Satan's Affair, I was like, is this a fantasy novel? Like, yeah. Is she fighting demons? Like, the, like, that did pop in my mind. Like, I'm like, maybe she's literally a demon slayer and that's what this book's about. Yeah. But as you find out at the end, like the ending, it kind of, it's like a halfway-ish through the book, all of a sudden there's like this shift and you're like, oh no, this girl needs help. Yeah. I mean, throughout the whole thing, you're kind of like, this girl needs help. But, like, you realize, no, like, she's calling them demons, but they're truly human beings.
0: Yes. Um, Although it's interesting to note that in Haunting Adeline, they do kind of talk about how everybody who she kind of killed was a bad person.
1: Yeah, she did have a a sense for, Mm -hmm. like, you know how when you... You just sense that people are not yeah, something you should be around in the dark. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean?
0: Yeah, she had it that sense. sense. And I think it makes she, sense that yeah. she had that because of her upbringing. Yes, absolutely. So the setting for Satan's Affair is Satan's Affair, so the haunted fair. Mm-hmm. And Sibby or Sybil, I guess. Mm-hmm. She is working in a haunted house, so well she's like a
1: living in the haunted
0: house. She she's living there. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, but it's interesting the way that this haunted house is supposedly set up because she can move in the walls, so the people who are going through to be frightened can't see her. But there's like little holes cut out in the walls, so she can look at them and make her judgments. Mm-hmm.
1: It's really creepy. Yeah. Cause it's like a set piece. Um, it's a, a moving circus. They're only, or sorry, a moving fair. And they're only in one place for two nights at a time. And then they end up like going somewhere else. So it's like the perfect setting for what's happening in this story. It mm-hmm. gives her the opportunity to kill her demons and then move on from the town, so she's, like, less likely to get caught because she's constantly moving around. But then she's also, like, no one knows she's there. Like, she's hiding in this dollhouse. Like, she's not employed by the fair. She's just, like, she's just snuck herself in there. Yeah. So it's, like, she's got a cover because, like, no one even knows she exists.
0: Yeah. Pretty uh, pretty creepy girl. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: But the, the setting just works so beautifully for the events that take place.
0: Yes. What do you think about, I thought it was quite um, realistic in the way that the things she was dealing with, with her mental health and then her outlook on like the demons and stuff like that. As we, as the story goes on, you kind of learn that she was actually raised in a really intense uh, religious cult and her father mm-hmm. was the, the leader of this cult. Um, I felt like with all the true crime, I'm not an expert at all, but all the true crime podcasts that I listen to, because I'm quite into that. It, it tracked really well with like the background of some really disturbed serial killers uh, and maybe some upbringings they may have had and then how mm-hmm. that kind of turned them into what they became and so Sibby's kind of background, I thought, matched that perfectly.
1: Yeah, you no. Know, when you understand sort of how she was raised, you're like it doesn't justify what she does, but you have empathy or at least sympathy for the way she's reacting to the world, considering her upbringing. Mm-hmm. And I think they did a pretty good job, like based off of like again, not an expert. But based off of what I have listened to in regards to cults, it seems like a pretty good depiction of these like more brutal cults. Like obviously yeah. everything's different, like every cult is different in how it's run. But for like a very serious like cult that has a very abusive leader, very manipulative leader, then I think it did a great job of kind of showing how like the impacts of that. Mm-hmm. The impacts that can have on someone who was raised in that environment. Definitely. I also thought it was interesting that all her henchmen also had really tragic background stories. And not to say that everyone who has a tragic background story is going to turn out, it's obviously very much like a stereotype, mm-hmm. but I think it was it, it was being used for an effect.
0: Yes. Absolutely. Oh, I wanted to mention in, I think, our Verity episode, I kind of went on this like rant where I was like, oh, you can completely like understand why someone does something heinous. What I meant to also mention was that you can understand it without condoning it. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully that goes without saying.
0: but Yeah, I hope so. I <laughs> but, yeah, I, I just kind of wanted to mention that. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know.
1: Oh, goodness. Speaking of our henchmen. It is revealed at the end of the story that her henchmen are actually just mannequins. So they're because in the the uh, different haunted houses, which is a dollhouse for the theme for the year, they have mechanical mannequins that interact with the guests going through, but then also like workers who go through and are like real people who are scaring the guests going through. And she's taken these mechanical mannequins. And created storylines for them. So she's created like backstories for them. And like they're her henchmen who help her commit the atrocities that she commits throughout the story. And they're, they're completely made up in her mind.
0: Yeah. um, It's. (laughs) I was, I was thinking about the end where she's kind of running away and how she needed to go like with her henchmen. And then I, once we find out their mannequins, I was kind of like, was she like loading the mannequins into the vehicle or were they just mm-hmm. kind of like imaginary, right? Because yeah. some, sometimes they, she's talking to nobody, but she sees them like she's having those hallucinations or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's sort of like her henchmen are inspired or her, her like, henchmen relationships and the people are inspired by these mannequins but
1: mm-hmm. then
0: at one point they also mentioned they found her dna on <laughs> they found yeah. her, D- her dna on the mannequins so yeah
1: yeah i think most of it was happening in her mind but she was physically interacting with them uh at certain points during the course of her time at the fair
0: yeah so something i want to mention about Satan's affair. This is the first. Okay, it is real gross. <laughs>
1: okay. Yes, we we kind of been skirting so, past the like.
0: Yeah, I want to. I want to just like mention. Okay, it is so disgusting. This is the first time I've ever been reading a book where I actually had to put it down because I was physically becoming so nauseated, and at one point my husband was kind of like, "Are you okay?" Because I was gagging. <laughs> like, well, I was sit there reading it, reading it, sitting there mm-hmm. reading it. Um, like it is really graphic. The violence is really graphic. Um, just, you know, like, I think probably it's more horror probably than yes. thriller necessarily. And mm-hmm. it occurred to me that I, I think I've avoided the horror genre for most of my life. Um, So I'm not actually sure how it compares to other horror novels with how kind of gross and graphic it is. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I just wanted to mention that because um, I actually had to stop reading at one point during the evening because I (laughs) felt so nauseated. I had to go take like some ginger. (laughs) Mm
1: Mm-hmm. No, it's definitely not a book I would recommend reading in public, and it's not a book I would recommend reading uh, late at night. It's so incredibly graphic in, like, the the brutality. Mm -hmm. And just because what she's doing is finding people and then... Slaying the demon, like she so finds a demon, she slays the demon, and then in slaying the demon, she becomes very excited. And mm-hmm. her and her henchmen then proceed to celebrate the yeah. slaying of the demon. And mm-hmm. that cycle happens a couple of times, and every single part of that cycle is so incredibly detailed. They yeah. like nothing is left out of what is happening in those events.
0: And sometimes the slaying of the demon is even though it's like you are assuming this is a demon like I didn't know what was going on when I was reading it at first Mm -hmm. it's it's still like the graphic depictions of the violent way she chooses to end their lives is pretty disturbing so Mm -hmm. just yeah just an FYI (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: so this certainly is not a book that I don't know if I would recommend this book to a lot of people but mm-hmm. <laughs> at the same time, yeah. I found the actual kind of root of the book or like the core of the book, like grotesqueness aside, yes. to be very intriguing.
0: Yes. Yeah. Once I was able to get past that part, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And it's not like that the whole way through. There's just some no. really intense scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really reluctant to pick the book back up after I became so nauseated, but thankfully it was, that was sort of the worst of it. And then it was mm-hmm. kind of like, and then the yeah. it was fine after that, but yeah. Yeah,
1: it basically goes through two cycles. And then after that, it kind of shifts. There's a, a tonal mm-hmm. shift in the story and it mm-hmm. becomes much easier to read after mm-hmm. that. Not that it's like gets happy or anything, like it's still a no. very brutal, grotesque book, but it's just not quite as intense.
0: Yes. Well, I guess since this is the heavy spoilers episode, we can just say um, we're talking about the two murders that happen, um, the, the two demons that she kills off. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're talking about. Once, once she's done with slaying those two demons and we kind of move on to other things. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully.
1: <laughs> yeah. And kind of as it shifts we get introduced to a new character who pops into the story Z Mm -hmm. and uh, they actually kind of team up and slay some demons together. But in this scene, so it's like there is another scene where people are being slain, (laughs) but it's not, it's it's completely different in tone than the Mm -hmm. previous ones. There's not detail. It's just more alluded to or like, mentioned upon versus, You know
0: like, what's happening, but not in great graphic detail.
1: Mm-hmm. It's kind um, of like, this
0: is going on. So I want to just talk about, because... Sh- so she was saying she could smell the demons. That's how she detected them. They smell like rot. Mm-hmm. And she would find, like... She would leave the people that smelled nice or didn't smell like they were rotting. And so when Z appears, she says he smells kind of, like... He doesn't smell like rot, but he smells kind of smoky and mm-hmm. stuff. And I find it super interesting. Like, I have to wonder about her sense of smell because... And how, how that all intertwines. Because she was able to detect, like, he doesn't smell great. Like, he doesn't... But he's not rotting either. So it's sort of like, she's like, this guy's morally gray. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, she was... Oddly in tune to people's, almost like their auras or something like that. Yeah. But she described it vers- through their scent. So people who were like good were, smelt like often like flowers or maybe like earth kind of thing. If they were like kind of starting to get less good. Like super good people smelt like flowers. Other people smelt more like earth um, or like pine or something like that. Which she didn't like as much, but they were still good. And then like the smoky kind of smells were starting to get evil and then like rot was like pure evil yeah and we do find out like she does actually end up getting caught she's taken to a mental health facility and she is diagnosed with um like hallucinations so she has auditory hallucinations visual hallucinations and then sensory like smell Olfactory. All factory, hall, Yeah. Yeah. Hallucinations. <laughs> yeah. And so it's the olfactory hallucinations, which is contributing to her like smelling people and sensing their evil.
0: hmm yeah. So I like
1: that we get like a, a proper Diagnosis. medical- yeah. yeah. Like explanation yeah. for what's going on for her. Yeah. So speaking of her getting caught in the- or getting caught and then taken to the mental um, institution or mental health uh, facility- she ends up getting pills to like she's taking pills and she still thinks her henchmen are real at this point and she starts taking pills and she's like so upset because they're not there to like save her and she's like no oh, maybe they got caught maybe they don't care about me blah, blah blah like justifying it but then she's like oh i stopped taking my pills and after that she goes to the Counselor to do her, or therapist to do her like, you know, mandatory sessions with her and strange things start happening because she has now stopped taking her medication and she has all these like for her, like when she takes her medication, her psychosis stops because she is medicated mm-hmm. and then <laughs> stopping taking her medication, her psychosis will eventually come back, not right away, to like, because you have to get the drugs out of your system. So the twist, like the ending was like so creepy
0: Yes. That poor therapist. (laughs) She's in her session and the therapist sort of starts to realize, like, mm, she starts to suspect she's not on her medication anymore. So
1: Mm -hmm. she kind of
0: asks her, like, are you on, like, your medication? And then there's just this kind of, like, I almost want to say it's like a fade to black where it's like, Sibby is going to kill the therapist, like, right then and there.
1: Mm -hmm. And, like, one of her main henchman appears in the room and like starts touching the therapist. But obviously it's just in Sibby's mind that this is happening. So the therapist isn't reacting at all. And like in Sibby's mind, she's like, oh yeah, now we're going to get you. Even though it's just her, but like she's been able to take down a lot of people, just her. So, and then it's just like, it just ends. Like, yeah, you, so you don't ever find out what happens Moving on to Haunting Adeline. Haunting Adeline is about a young writer, Adeline, who has caught the attention of a morally gray mystery man. On top of realizing she has a stalker, Adeline has recently moved into her great-grandparents' gothic Victorian house, which just the description is so awesome. Yes. (laughs) And she discovers that it was a scene of a murder and that has gone cold. So... We have yeah. this stucking storyline, but then we have this underlying murder mystery as well, which I was not expecting.
0: Mm-hmm. And the house itself is set like 50 feet away from a sheer cliff. <laughs> oh,
1: which is the visuals. Cool. I don't know if it was a first or second chapter, but it's just like describing the house.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely breathtaking. Like it's like the perfect book to read in fall in the sense like it's just the vibes right off the bat or like I feel like I have been placed upon like inside of a fall snow globe
0: (laughs) yes yes oh and and there's ghosts so
1: in the house yeah yeah
0: so it's It's a really good spooky vibe
1: Mm -hmm. and it's like all decorated and very like gothic details as well, like the wallpapers and just like the furniture and everything. It's just like, oh, so it's like Halloween, fall, gothic, all rolled into one house. Yes. So our main storyline that is kind of like the whole haunting of Adeline is between our main uh characters, Adeline and her mystery stalker, <laughs> who yes. at the like for the first I don't know, half of the book, we don't know who he is. He's just, like, I guess we as readers know who he is, but Adeline doesn't know who he is. Mm -hmm. He's just, like, this super creepy guy standing outside her house who sees her once at a book signing and was, like, she's going to be my wife. But, like, (laughs) instantly obsessed. He takes it seriously. (laughs) Like, you know, sometimes you hear people are, like, I saw them and I knew I was going to marry them. And it's, like, really sweet and adorable. This
0: isn't that. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) There's nothing sweet or adorable (laughs) about it. What did you think about their relationship?
1: Um, I was so conflicted. And I think that is exactly how you are supposed to feel. Because Mm -hmm. Adeline is so conflicted. Like every time she talks about him and kind of like anytime we're hearing her thoughts about her situation, she's clearly disgusted by what's going on and thinks this is super wrong and super creepy, but then also kind of likes it. Yeah. So you're also like, I feel like as the reader, you're, you're, I don't know, maybe it's just like the empathy of like reading about a character getting inside their head. So it's like, you're kind of taking on their, their feelings a little bit.
0: For sure. Yeah. So she, um, like she mentions pretty early on, she's got like this kind of weird, dark, twisted side to her. Um, mm-hmm. She loves going to haunted fairs. Like she loves being scared. We learn out. We learned that being scared excites her sexually. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know how this mystery man like knows that, but lucky for him, that is the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: And he does seem to know that like he very early on, when we're in his perspective, he's saying like he can tell she's excited by this. Mm -hmm. And very, very late in the book, it does. He does say that if she was not showing that he would not have like kind of acted the way he did. Like he would have like been more patient with like not that he would have stopped.
0: (laughs) He just would, would
1: have waited for her to be excited about it. Kind of thing which is like so messed up yeah um, yeah but like in kind of at the same time that he's stalking her she discovers that her grand great-grandmother also had a stalker and she finds these journals um, hidden in the walls of her house and discovers like her great-grandmother went through a very similar situation and fell in love with her stalker. So now mm-hmm. Adeline's even more confused because she's like, is history repeating itself? Like, I'm never going to Like, she's like, oh, I'm kind of intrigued by it, but I- I'll never love him. Like, this is gross and disgusting. Like, yeah, the back and forth is just like, I don't know. It, it kept me interested.
0: Yeah, it was definitely a very different read. Um, <laughs> I was actually at one point thinking, because his dis- physical description, he sounds like very... Uh, striking and different. So mm-hmm. um, I was actually at one point kind of like, is this guy supernatural? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Was like, he what previously is like, yeah, I was actually thinking like, was he, was he the stalker of her? Like, is he stalking <laughs> these women? Oh. <laughs> like, is it actually paranormal
1: or like, like yeah. something fantasy going on?
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause I didn't read the synopsis. So I had absolutely no idea. <laughs>
1: right. You, reading the synopsis would not have helped that at all. Um, okay. Had, okay. It's really, really not helpful Bag? in regards yeah. to what,
0: yeah. So I was actually like, is this guy like, you know, centuries old, like stalking these women throughout the, you oh, know, That would have been cool. Time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought it would have been cool. It turns out it's not, but... Mm-hmm. At one point, that was kind of, like, crossing my mind.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was just very much a coincidence that they both had stalkers. And, like, they both were living in that house because it was mm-hmm. her great-grandmother's great-grand- house. So the stalking was happening in the same setting. And, yeah. Yes. So I think that just kind of was the interesting little connection between the past, kind of the past storyline and the present storyline.
0: So um, he... <laughs> I've, I was kind of having a problem with him because we end up finding out that he like he does something very, very, very admirable as a career. Mm-hmm. He's on hunting down like child and women traffickers, right. And infiltrating the rings of them and then essentially taking them down. Mm-hmm. And that is like, amazing. But, <laughs> but I, like, I couldn't understand how he could be okay with because Adeline says no to him, but he ignores that. So, like, I couldn't understand how he could, like, justify that. Because I just felt like even though he could tell she liked it, she's still saying no. So I just, yeah, I had a problem with that.
1: <laughs> oh, no. I think you're supposed to have a problem with that for sure. Like, he's yeah. a morally gray character and not, like, dove gray. Like, he's charcoal. Yeah,
0: like, yeah. <laughs> it's,
1: it's it's very close to just being, like, black. Yeah. But he's just ever so slightly And I think his full justification is your mouth is saying no, but your body is saying yes. Mm -hmm. And like to him, he's like, I don't care what your mouth is saying. Yeah. And I think that's like in his morally gray brain, I think that was justification enough for him to continue doing what he was doing.
0: Yeah. That's still though, like considering his line of work, um, I still find that so messed up because, and it is messed yeah. up because, it's but it's like, for sure. I think your body can do things you don't want it to. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So oh yeah, for sure. He's, yeah. he's very
1: much ignoring like the physicality of human beings. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think she calls him out on that too. Like, I think she straight up says like, you literally save people who are being forced to do things that they don't want to do and yeah. yet you do the same thing to me. But in his mind, they're so separate. Like,
0: yeah.
1: how he can justify that, like, to himself, I couldn't. Like, that, it, it, it doesn't compute. They completely are. They're very much the same thing. But in his mind, they're separate. And he's able yeah. to live with that. Yeah. Because he's, like, very, very thoroughly disgusted by mm-hmm. the trafficking that's going on. Mm-hmm. And, like, so upset that people aren't. Like, that's a huge kind of storyline, like this thread of, like, there's this horrific thing that is happening in our world and people just ignore it and turn Mm -hmm. a blind eye, pretend it doesn't exist. And he's, Mm -hmm. like, deeply, deeply disgusted by that, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which just adds to the confusion and the conflict we feel towards him as a character,
0: (laughs) Yeah, because on one hand I love him, and on the other hand I hate him <laughs> deeply, <laughs> which I think probably is how Adeline was feeling.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. But as we mentioned, there is this kind of murder murder mystery going on, and Adeline has this really cool friend, uh, Dea, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and. There and her friend happens to be a hacker, and she works for this organization trying to take down the government. And spoiler, she works for Mystery Men. <laughs> 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 Which ends up being a really cool connection. Um, I thought I and like. I was like right away. I was like, mm, I wonder if they're connected Connecting. somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and they are. But. Back to the murder mystery. She, the friend is trying to help her solve the murder mystery of the grandma. And like Adeline's immediate thing is like, oh, it was her stalker who killed her. Her stalker killed her. All stalkers are horrible. I need the stalker to be horrible and to kill her so I can like finally have enough, you know, willpower to be like, no, this has to stop with my mystery man. And it does not turn out to be the case. Which like, (laughs) it was... Very. It it ended up being somebody you didn't think, for me personally, I like kind of, I thought it was going to be, like, so it ends up being a friend of her husband or like a friend of the family's who was obsessed with her. Mm -hmm. But she never returned the feelings. And then she ended up having an affair with her stalker instead. And this friend of the family finds out she's having an affair with the stalker and is so upset that she's having an affair with a different man and didn't choose him to have an affair with that he murders her. And there is a point in the story where I'm like, Oh, I wonder if that is going to be what happens. Cause we meet this friend's son in like the present day. And he is just really, it's really fishy the way he's talking about the murder. Like, cause Adeline goes to this, the son of the friend of the families, which (laughs) if you could follow all that and, is like trying to get information from him is like oh like what did your dad used to talk about my great grandma like what did he say blah 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 and his like the answers he was giving were completely contradicting he's like oh I don't remember I was so young Uh, but then he'd give like the most detailed answer to the next question I'm like I thought you just said you don't remember Mm
0: -hmm. so I'm like
1: this is fishy like I don't know what did you think about the murder mystery like did you catch on to it being the friend of the family
0: Mm -hmm. So I knew exactly who it was as soon as we read that letter where she, um, Gigi and John had a big blow up and Mm -hmm. he accused her of cheating. And then Frank was like deeply unhappy with her. I was like, oh, Frank murdered her. He's in love with her.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was the first moment I was like, hmm, who is this Frank guy? But I didn't figure, like, I didn't think he was for sure the guy until the conversation with his son Mark. He
0: was always such a a shoulder for her to cry on, and Mm -hmm. I was like, that's a really unusual like role for another man to play in someone's marriage. So Mm -hmm. I was like, he is in love with her. And then yeah, as soon as he was like really unhappy about that accusation I was like oh he's the murderer he mm-hmm.
1: yeah I think that it was done well enough though that like, I don't think everyone would pick up on it as quickly as you did maybe I'm just saying that to justify me not picking it up right away Oh. I <laughs> <heard that>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I think it was like done where you were still like for the most part probably most people were probably still like oh it could be this person it could be that like they were leading you down, like, oh, it could still be the stalker. And it could, like, yeah, no, but totally. then when you find out who it is, it's like, oh, that makes complete sense.
0: Yeah, totally. Like, I, I was like, oh, it's this guy, but like, I'm I guess all the time, and quite often I'm wrong. So, I, you know, I just happened to be right that time. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it's the not a thing is to guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have mm-hmm. to admit, like, at first, I wasn't super interested in the murder mystery. But then as the book went on, I was like, oh, this is actually very interesting. (laughs) And I kind of got sucked into it. I liked that kind of subplot. That was a good subplot.
1: Yeah, I think it was necessary to have some subplots in the storyline. If it was just the main storyline, I think that would have gotten tedious. very
0: Yeah. (laughs) So I found it also very eyebrow quirk worthy. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> when uh, when they were kind of telling each other they loved each other because mm-hmm. it, they were very much like in lust Um, he was like kind of trying to explain to us that like oh he's going to force her to fall in love with the worst parts of himself but it's kind of like the worst parts of himself are like just this really forceful man who isn't going to listen to her to say no <laughs> but it's all sex though yeah sexual yeah so yeah
1: their relationship is not a healthy one that's for sure
0: I started to enjoy the book a lot more once they uh started hanging out other than just him stalking her and then Mm -hmm. doing sexy things and then stalking her again once like it was actually like that scene where um, he and Mark end up going to that same restaurant that she was at
1: mm-hmm. or whatever.
0: And they started to see each other kind of outside of the stalker situation. I started mm-hmm. to enjoy reading about them a lot more um, yeah, and seeing them kind of work as a team and have some other kind of interaction other than sexual.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I a hundred percent agree. And I do think – In the scenes where she's like comforting him, like when he has a like bad day at work Mm -hmm. and he goes there and it's like he's not going there because he's like wanting to stalk her. He's like going there for comfort. Mm -hmm. I think that's where you're starting to see like, okay, this could potentially turn into an actual relationship if he wasn't so creepy. And I do appreciate that she calls him out like when they started being more like, I guess, in a relationship more Mm
0: -hmm. versus him
1: just like stalking her. She even said like, "Why are you still being creepy?" <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like agreeing to this at this point, so like, you don't need to be this weirdo anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, like, uh <laughs> I wish we had gotten more of those tender moments between them, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad that we got at least the one and there is a sequel, so Yeah. Right.
1: Mhm. I think that just like hopefully is like showing like how their relationship is going to kind of progress like what it will like showing like there is a chance that this can become like a healthy relationship where they just have this you know certain way they like to engage sexually which like she likes to be chased and he likes to chase and like so Mm -hmm. even in the scenes where they are consensually agreeing to engage then like she'll still like do something to upset him and then run away because mm-hmm. she wants to have those kind of moments, like in the beginning, but now it's being
0: contrived. Versus, I feel like forced. she she would like be considered a high sensation seeker.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, she, like she's an <laughs> adrenaline junkie. Junkie. I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, oh, one. I think one of the parts I was the most disturbed about in this book, or upset, I should say, both. I guess. Was when they were actually infiltrating the eternal rebirth thing.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And there was a little kid that he was rescuing. Um, Oh, that really upset me. Like, tears to the eyes type thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it will. That's the thing is like, I think they did a fairly good job of not talking too much about kids when a huge portion of the book is actually about infiltrating a trafficking ring that involves young individuals. So I think considering that's like a huge main point of the storyline. So it's like the kind of the third storyline in this book is Zayd's storyline where he is um, infiltrating this ring
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: it's largely women, but also children. And so to kind of have that be such a prominent part of like his story, mm-hmm. but not talk about it too much, I, I mm-hmm. was very appreciative that they didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I can see why she put some in, because mm-hmm. that is what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But it, I much preferred when it was just an adult woman, which sounds mm-hmm. horrible,
0: but not I, no, I it's don't understandable. Like it's about like extra children. disturbing. When it's children and yeah, this, that little girl that he was rescuing and she's like, are you taking me back to my mommy and my daddy? And I was just like, (gasps) yeah, oh, like it just, (laughs) I could just imagine it being my own son and it just really was upsetting.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a little concerned about book number two Mm -hmm. and we'll get to it, but partly for this reason, Uh, but we'll like kind of talk more about our, how, where we think that's going to go at the end. Yeah. So the crossover with Satan's affair kind of happens 60% through approximately. And I thought this was really cool in the sense that we see the exact same scenes that we saw in Satan's affair and we see them uh, from Zane's perspective, Zade's perspective. And this is where reading Satan's affair, if you choose to do so, really kind of adds to it because you see the scenes especially when you're like still thinking like oh Sibby thought her henchmen were real and mm-hmm. then to see the scenes from Zade's perspective where he's like because he's kind of mocking her and like so in Satan's affair she's like oh why are you making fun of me why are you mocking me and like getting all like mad at him but then you see it from his perspective and he's like girl, there's no one here. Like, who are you talking to?
0: Yeah, he's like, oh, so you're crazy. And when Mm -hmm. you're reading that in Satan's Affair, and he's like, oh, so you're crazy. I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, she's a little crazy. But you didn't exactly know why he was saying that.
1: Mm -hmm. Because you didn't know that the henchmen weren't real at that point.
0: Exactly, exactly. So
1: I I really appreciated seeing it from that side. And you actually, in Satan's Affair, you actually do get to see, um, well, Sibby sees, uh, Adeline and her friend Dea who also are at the fair and it's just yes. like two lines describing these two beautiful women walking through yeah and they're the women like she's like she's trying to protect them from
0: yeah Zade
1: like, but Zade's trying to protect them from the yeah. um the cults the eternal rebirth cult who's after yeah. them so it's like all these people and that's why they end up teaming up in Satan's affair and it like all comes together and
0: yeah it was really sad how he Zayd would call her, like, um, what did he call her? Demon Slayer. And she at first hated it, but then she realized, like, he meant it, like, not as a mocking mm-hmm. thing. And then she was like, oh, he's my friend. And it's just, like, yeah. sad.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was really sad. And, like, yeah, he did kind of, he's <clears throat> like, oh, this girl just needs help. Mm -hmm. Kind of, like, I think, like, in a way, like, I think he would have, like, taken her under his wing and maybe would have, like, been able to help her, but I don't know. She needs a lot of help.
0: She sure does. (laughs) So this Eternal Rebirth cult is a pretty big problem (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it's essentially this huge ring of pedophiles. um, And it's all the way up to the president in the U S government. So it's mm-hmm. like a ma- It's, it's, I, I want to say, it's not just like this ring of criminals. It's like deeply infiltrated into the government. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and, and Zaid is obviously trying to take this whole thing down, but like kind of tricky when it's, uh, all the way to the top.
1: So with the eternal rebirth cult kind of storyline, The whole point is Zayd is trying to infiltrate and take them down. As you mentioned, it's like this absolutely massive ring. So it's not like something that's just like take down this one thing and you'll take it down. But again, in connection with Satan's Affair, the four men that um, end up being killed in Satan's Affair are kind of sort of high up, like in the cults. Not like super high. But like mid-level maybe. Mm -hmm. So Zayd in Haunting Adeline infiltrates them, like pretends to be a part of their cult so he can do a ritual um, that he's been trying to get into. Because he's like, if I can find the source of this ritual, then I can like the higher ups will be at the ritual and then I can start working my way up and kind of take them out from within. So that's kind of his storyline as uh, things progress. So we do get to the point where he is being like indoctrinated, is that Mm -hmm. word, Mm -hmm. into the cult. So he goes to do this human sacrifice, which obviously he's not actually going to do the human sacrifice, but that's like what's supposed to be going on. And then he sets it up so that they attack before the sacrifice can take place but this is the end and this is kind of the twist ending because they know he's coming. So he thinks he's being like sneaky with this, but there's also someone else who's kind of knows that someone's come, like, you know, it's kind of like double agents on both sides sort of situation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they go to attack, but then they in turn get attacked, like his men who he sent in. So all of a sudden things are being blown up and he's like, it's just like gets really crazy and confusing And his like main kind of computer man uh, who he trained himself, Jay, comes in and is like trying to help him. And then somebody walks up behind Zade and is like, and Jay, he knows who Jay is because he uses his full name and we haven't heard his full name yet. So this is someone who I think is, I'm guessing, part of their organization who has turned on them Mm. and like gave the cult information that they were going to be attacking and I'm like, who is this person who's turned on them? Like that we don't know because it just end like his storyline ends there. Basically being like, I don't know, taken by this person. We're not sure. He's just like, this mystery person comes out behind Zayd, and Jay's like, it's you, kind of thing. What if it's Dea? I was like, is it gonna be Dea? I don't like I hate that idea so much. That I'm, like, rejecting its existence. Because that would be just so devastating. Like, she's known Adeline for so long. And kind of one thing we vaguely mentioned, but not really. But, like, Adeline is being targeted by this cult. Like, they've decided they want to to take her and sell her. Yeah. And so it's, like, for her. And Dea's apparently been her friend for years. Like, they know each other's families. Like, so if it is Dea... I would be absolutely like that would be such a twist. But I
0: think if it was Dea, it would be because they are, pardon me, they're holding something over her, not because she's like a bad person.
1: Okay. That would make it better. But yeah, mm-hmm. I like thought of that for a split second and then I'm just like, I no, it
0: can't be. I don't be want it to be. No. But this book has been so uncomfortable. This, this, not just this book, because Satan's Affair as well. That I, I actually wouldn't put it past the author to do this.
1: No, definitely. Yeah, it would track for sure. Mm-hmm. And there's more evidence that it could be Dea because in Adeline's storyline, while this is going down, she gets a call from Dea being like, I really need to talk to you. So she heads over to Dea's house and she ends up getting run off the road and taken. And there's kind of like another little subplot of these other people um, who, it's not like a super, super important subplot, but one of the people in its name is Max. And in the end, it is this individual Max who ends up taking her. Mm -hmm. So he's somehow involved too. But like, as you're reading it, he seems very separate from the cult. Like him and the cult don't overlap. They're in different storylines. But then at the end, it's kind of like, oh, is he part of this cult? Is his father part of the cults?
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't think that it was Dea who texted her. I thought either Dea has been taken or her someone's hacked her phone to make it look like it's her. Mm-hmm. I never thought I, for yeah. a second that it was Dea who who actually texted her that. But
1: you know, I, I also had those thoughts as well. But then I'm like, yeah. oh, but if Dea is the one who is behind yeah. this, maybe she did. I don't so yeah. I love it when you're kind of left questioning things at yeah. the because I like to like ponder them for a while before getting the answers, which yeah. I'm assuming you get in the next book. Yeah. So that being said, for the next book, I mentioned I was kind of concerned about it. Um, and largely because the content of it will mainly focus around the kind of cult slash child trafficking ring or human trafficking ring. And I'm like, that is such a heavy topic. And the book is very large. (laughs) So I mean, like, say over 500 pages. I think that's a large book. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, is that going to be the only storyline? Like, what I liked about this book is that there were so many different storylines. So even though each topic was kind of hard, it's, you kind of got reprieve from each of them as you jumped around to the different storylines. Yeah. Yeah. So like... One entire book dedicated on this storyline alone. Because I'm assuming, uh, and let me know if you have different thoughts, but I'm assuming th- the next book is going to be uh, Adeline is now a part of a trafficking mm-hmm. ring mm-hmm. being held and mm-hmm. Zaid is going to try and save her.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm like,
1: oh, I hope, I hope some other kind of unexpected side subplots
0: emerge. Yeah, I think there will be some for sure. Yeah, I didn't quite expect it to end on such a cliffhanger because I was like, oh, yeah, we'll finish reading this and I may or may not read the next one. And I'm like, well, now I have to.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if it's on uh, the author's official site or on Goodreads or where, but there is an official like warning that it ends on a cliffhanger. That haunting Adeline ends on a cliffhanger. (laughs) So I'm like, I appreciate that. Like, you're letting people know what they're getting into. Like, you're not just reading this book; you are reading both.
0: (laughs) Yes, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Just so you know. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. So do you think that little girl I was mentioning before, the one that Zayd rescued and I was all mm-hmm. disturbed and everything about that. Her name is Sarah. And Zayd had, it had crossed his mind in the story that maybe he could adopt her if her parents were dead. Yeah. And I immediately like rejected that thought. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was like, Oh, I got to talk this over with Adeline because Adeline would be her mommy. And I'm like, you guys ready to be parents? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Would you be good parents? Should, what kind of morals would you be? I just, yeah. Just given like the dynamics of their relationship and how like twisted he is. And I'm just like, mm, I, I just don't feel like that's a good idea. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> Yeah. Um, I have like two thoughts on this. Firstly, like regarding his character, I'm like, mm, I wonder if he's going to like, I haven't actually uh, seen or read the last of the Fifty Shades of Grey. But my understanding is that like Christian Grey kind of mellows out at the end and kind of like learns to be more, less controlling and more give and take. <laughs> right. kind of thing. Um, I could be wrong on that because like I said, I haven't seen the last one. But I'm like wondering if that's going to be the same with Zayd where it's like, once he and Adeline have kind of, like, cemented their relationship, like, his craziness kind of goes away. Like, his, like, mental instability around her. It's, like, once he kind of gets what he wants, he kind of, it's just, like, less morally gray. If that makes sense. Like, hopefully. Because then, like, they could, like, because him outside of stalking Adeline seems like a, a pretty stand-up
0: guy. It's I mean, just he's outside the stalking. He's, the really stalking, he's amazing. But- yeah.
1: So if we take that away, well, I mean, as, okay.
0: as we like sit here condoning, like unsanctioned hits on people, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> right? But, but I, mean, I mean, like, they're who, demons. <laughs> they're, de- they're demons.
1: <laughs> yeah. But in regards to if I think they'll adopt Sarah, um, I think it was interesting that like, cause she, like the little girl was like, are you going to adopt me? Which I'm like girl, are you you it up on your parents so quickly? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, it's not funny, but it's like, this kid's been kidnapped and told she's going back to her parents. And her first thought is, will you adopt me? I'm like, "Yeah." like, at least check to see if your parents are alive first. Don't just, like, write them off.
0: Yeah, I don't quite, but, I'm, it made me wonder how long she'd been in the trafficking ring for. Yeah. Um, if she'd been in there for, like, years and years, like, mm-hmm. maybe she doesn't even remember her parents, like... Or maybe,
1: like, she knows that they're dead. Like, maybe
0: she saw them die when she was taken.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I think it was, like, I think it's odd for that to be mentioned if that's not kind of, like, a hint at what's to come. Like, maybe they won't adopt this little girl, but, like, I'm wondering if at the very end.
0: Some foreshadowing. When everything
1: settles, that eventually they will adopt. Or at least have children of their own, which he seems very set on doing at one point regardless of if Adeline agrees, which seems to be his style.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to mention, um, I kind of admire Adeline for admitting to herself that she kind of likes twisted stuff. Because I think people might not want to admit that side of themselves to themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's, I could see why she'd be attracted to Zayd in the way that he sees some pretty carnal needs that she has, she's starting to admit it to herself that, yeah, this is true about me, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, they're kind of perfect for each other. Yeah. It was just really uncomfortable kind of getting to that stage where you realize, like, they are pretty perfect for each other.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do like one thing I kind of liked is her conversation she has with God. <laughs> Why did you make me like this? She like recognizes that her feelings are not what most people would consider normal or average. And she like questions why she feels this way, uh, which kind of adds some humor to an otherwise pretty heavy book. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it is, like you said, nice that she is acknowledging what's true for her.
0: I think it takes guts to acknowledge the unsavory parts of yourself
1: hmm No, for sure. That's a wrap on today's discussion. Next week, we will be jumping back to the world of Aurelia and starting our four-part mini-series for Kingdom of Ash. We'll be doing part one. Thank you very much for joining us today.
0: And if you like this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe so you can stay tuned for more exciting book discussions. Until next time, happy reading.